one. Welcome, friends. Another special episode of Swing Thoughts. I don't want to say who's on the show, but I'll just say this. It was very exciting the first time we had him on. Were we not a little bit? We were vibrating a little bit the first time, right? Oh, hang on a second. I, I apologize. I didn't, 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 I didn't turn your mic on. So what, what did you say when I said we were vibrating the first time we had him on? It's exciting, like Christmas morning. Yeah, it was just like that. Uh, anyway, so that'll give you a clue. Uh, it's GSL and, of course, Coach Tim. As always, another episode of Swing Thoughts. Great to have uh, all you STDs with us. This program, as always, brought to you by TaylorMade Golf Canada. I'm not going to play the radio commercial again. You guys have all heard it. You know, what can we say about the entire stealth line of uh, TaylorMade products? I'll just tell you a quick anecdote. A buddy of mine locked his clubs in his car it's a true story and is still there's some mechanism in his bmw where he was unable to get his golf clubs out for uh, the senior club championship this is now two weeks ago and he's he's been using rental clubs or clubs from the pro shop and those clubs included the stealth irons and the other day he said to me dude <laughs> there's no way I hit my clubs as long as this and he's a very good he's a low handicap player so I just laughed I said that's a great endorsement for the stealth irons uh, of course the stealth driver and the all new tailor-made stealth 2 it really is something different. Go check it out at tailormade.ca. Timmy? All right. And check out our other sponsor, who is oscarbravo.com, makers of the finest golf polo you would ever wear out of fine Italian fabric. Um, these things are amazingly constructed. And guarantee, if you purchase one of these, you'll be a vision of sartorial splendor yes. and the only person at your golf club to be wearing it. I was at a tournament in London two days ago, and I go to the uh, putting green, and there's our buddy David Cox, and he and I are the only two wearing the Oscar Bravo. Although mine had already got a, I got pre-stained with a little coffee on it. He did not. Uh, as well, our uh, newest sponsor, StretchLab.com. If you want to improve your sports performance, increase your range of motion and flexibility, reduce muscle and joint pain, Reduce stress and improve posture. Get yourself a introductory stretch. It's an assisted stretch, and it's great for golfers if you're tight in the hips and all the other places were tight. Uh, go check it out. It's $59 for 55 minutes, an introductory test, uh, uh, stretch, including an um, assessment. All right. Let's get right to it. You know, I, I was thinking, Tim, about how to introduce our guest again. And, you know, over the years I've been doing this job, there are a few people who are the definition of somebody that needs no introduction. Let's just simply say our best friend, David Ledbetter, is back. <laughs> hey, David. Hey, guys. How are you this morning? Well, we're excited to have you back. The reason we say best, well, this is what we tell people now, because the, <laughs> night, that, the night that Nick Taylor won, you were so gracious. You sent both Tim and I a note somehow congratulating us uh, this, uh, on behalf of Canada. Uh, and that was such a sweet thing. And ever since you sent us that note, I said to Tim, I said, I think we're best friends with David Ledbetter. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, well, that was a, a great occasion for Canada. And, uh, 
well deserved. I mean, as many good players that, or really, really good players that you have now in Canada. I mean, that was. Uh, I, I think you can only uh, obviously help for the future. I mean, the young players are going to look at this and think, "Wow, you know, let's get into golf." And so, it's, it is amazing how, how over the last few years. I mean, look, you had Mike Weir for many, many years, who was the pioneer, shall we say, uh, in, in modern golf. And so, um, you know, it's great, great to see. Great to see. You know, what was really interesting to me is that Mike, there was Mike, you know, beside the 18th green. I love the fact he had a had a beer <laughs> and and he was there with uh, Corey Connors, Adam Hadwin. And they're all just, you know, it, it's kind of like watching a Ryder Cup. They're mm-hmm. so nervous. They're gunning for their guy. But here's the piece that I thought was really interesting, at least to me. So, Mike, we like. I remember Gary Player. I was fortunate enough to visit South Africa in the 90s. And Gary Player said to me, he says, when Canada has a major champion, then we'll start to see more Canadian golf pros because they'll be inspired. And so to me, there was Mike Weir, winner of the of the Masters 2003 Um our guy, our model, our inspiration. And there you have it. You have more Canadians on the PGA Tour than ever. And then you finally have the dream come true, a Canadian uh, winning. So, I don't know. Speak. I invite you to speak to that thing of, of people who are models and inspirations for other in their own country. Uh, yes, I think it's, it's a really good point. I mean, the fact is that, I mean, I, I remember, look, uh, I think that probably the, the best example actually is in, in women's golf because I was very fortunate to coach Sari Park when she first came over here uh, for the first three years. And uh, during which time she won a couple of majors. And, I mean, she started a whole, let's, say, let's, let's put it this way, I mean, when she was on tour, she was the only Korean player on mm. tour. And you look now, I mean, I think it's in the 40s now that uh, – Korean players uh, so they certainly uh, are an inspiration uh, I mean I know in Korea I mean she's she's a, a god <laughs> really when you look at all goddess I'm not sure in this day and age what you call people but uh, a non-binary she, <laughs> deity I believe is the uh, phrase you're looking for <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know I, I went over with her I mean it was just incredible and the fact that so many of these young players, even at the, the Ladies' US Open at Pebble yesterday, some of the young players, uh, well, some of the modern uh, players on, on the tour from Korea saying, yes, we we started playing uh, when we saw Seri win. My, our parents said, hey, you've got, you've got to play golf. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's incredible. And so I, I think that uh, it, it happens. Uh, I mean, it, you're seeing it now in... In a lot of countries in, in Asia, I mean, Thailand, for instance, I mean, you're getting a lot of these great young players. Uh, and I, I think, you know, for in many, many respects, I mean, I suppose you could even go back to sort of Spain. I mean, obviously, Spain had some really great players through the years. But, you know, when Sevi came along, he was an inspiration to all the younger players and all the players that were around at that time. Did you not work with Sevi at some point? I certainly did. Yeah, it was uh, uh, 1992, I think it was, and um, he actually won the money list. I mean, it was it was a long. It was, I don't want to. It was a long story, but I mean, I actually worked with him for uh, actually a year, almost to the day. Mm-hmm. And so um, 
it was uh, yeah, it was a. Uh, it, you know, Sir Nick Fowler wasn't actually very pleased at the time because obviously he was a huge rival. But uh, but no, it was uh, it was certainly something that uh, I look back upon as saying, "Wow!" And uh, you know, he played he played really well. He he was having back issues, so we sort of designed a swing around his back, really. And uh, you know, he uh, that was his, he he won the Order of Merit that year. So it was yeah, it was. I think I learned as much from him as he did from me, though. Certainly with his short game. <laughs> It was just like, I mean, the guy was a genius. Well, you know, I was, I, was, I was going to sort of transition to something and, and, and bring this full circle back to Canada because you, you've been on the range and you've been lucky on the range. You've been lucky to know uh, at a pretty, you know, good level all these people, whether it's Norman, Seve, Faldo. Um, and you say you learned from him. You know, Tim wrote a book about one of Canada's most famous golf you know, legends really around the world, Mo Norman. Two questions. You know, when you say what you what you learned from Seve's short game, like what is it like seeing these guys up close? And what was your sense back to the Canadian golfers that inspired people? What, growing up, did you have any knowledge or awareness of Mo Norman? No, I have to be honest, I didn't. I mean, look, you haven't got social media. You have yeah, yeah, of today. course. You can, ima- you can imagine. I mean, what it would be like. I mean. You know, I, I actually knew Mo fairly well. Uh, back in the day in Central Florida, he would come down um, over the winter, uh, and he, it could have been ninety degrees out there. But uh, you know, he had his black polo neck on. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, he was uh, he was incredible. I mean, he would obviously he draw crowds. I mean, he um, I mean he, he he not only did he talk the talk, but he walked the walk. And uh, I mean, some of the stories about him were just just incredible. I mean, he's part of folklore now, obviously. And, but as a guy like as, da- as as David Ledbetter, the instructor, the, the 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 guy that knows a lot about the technical side of swing, when you would watch someone like Mo Norman, what would you think? Yeah, you know what? I mean, I, I remember the one the one day. I mean, I saw him several times. He spoke about swing a lot of times, you know, and. Uh, uh, I, I remember the thing that most impressed me was actually swinging a club with a bowling ball attached to it. <laughs> okay, this is how he started to create lag. You know, talking about how he, you know, how he would sort of download the club uh, coming, uh, you know, as he changed direction. And so, I mean, I think you, you learn that uh, uh, there's a lot of different ways to do it. You mean you look at you look at Mo. He, 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 listen, he wasn't the longest hitter. He was probably the straightest hitter, maybe. I mean, I would have loved to have seen a contest between him and Calvin Peet. You know, <laughs> that would have been that would have been very interesting. And so, uh, but you know, the fact you know he had this. I mean, he was a very strong man, though. Uh, people don't realize. I mean, he had he was built like a ball. I mean, he looked a little bit like John Ram the way he was built. Um, very yeah. solid, uh, wide stance. You know, set the set the club about a, a foot or two behind. Well, at least at least twelve inches behind the ball. And uh, which is sort of almost like, to some extent, what I believe. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get onto a little bit with my new straightaway. We're yes. actually getting people start. We're actually getting people starting almost in the Mo Norman position, you know, and they actually find some a lot of benefit from it. So I think the thing is, you just you just look at all these different players and how they how they've achieved their success. And uh, uh, you know, obviously, obviously Mo. I mean that. It was sad that he didn't play much in the U.S. Uh, I mean, he was obviously he didn't limit himself to Canada, but he didn't certainly didn't play much in the U.S. And uh, so, it, it, you know, it was uh, you know I, I sort of delve into history. I mean, you look at players like 
go back to the day, Porky Oliver, you know, I mean, yes. probably a name that doesn't uh, resonate very well with people. But, you know, here was a guy who was, uh, you know, back in sort of the, the Hogan era, uh, who was a, a tremendous player. And uh, you, so you look at all these different players, different builds, different techniques that actually achieve, uh, that actually achieve, uh, obviously, uh, a high level of expertise, um, and you, you you certainly realize that uh, you know, that one swing does not fit all. Yeah, of course. Well, that's interesting because you know, obviously, David, you're synonymous with um, you know golf instruction and kind of that culture of oh, here's what you can do to get better. You've written, you know, I don't know how many books it is, but lots of books, <laughs> and <clears throat> you're you're all over YouTube and all that kind of stuff, but. To me, well, I'll ask you: Is how do you how would you advise people who are you know intaking, if you will, this tsunami of information about how to swing, and you know how do you balance that with making it your own? You're taking sure. all this stuff, but how do you then take it and incorporate it, and you know, as as Porky Oliver did, as Mo, make it your own swing. Well, it's you know it's extremely difficult because look when you I know myself look I, I would never consider myself uh, a method teacher okay although because but that's the the label you get when you bring out a book or you bring out any form of instruction and you know people actually watch me teach individuals I very much gear and tailor my instruction to the person that's in front of me because you have to I mean look we're all we're all built differently we all think differently uh, and. I mean, swings are like fingerprints, aren't they? I mean, look, you can see, you know, 200 meters away, if you, you know, even if you can't see the face, you can, you notice the swing. Well, I know who that is over there. And so, it, it, I mean, the, these idiosyncrasies, idiosyncrasies and mannerisms, et cetera, et cetera, I think we, as, as a coach, you have to sort of, you know, it's interesting. My, my, my grandfather was uh, one of Britain's leading osteopaths, and he was blind, and so... Uh, you know, my mother always said, well, maybe you got some of your intuition from him. And so, and that's, that, that's really key because intuition as a coach, I think is really important. You, it's, you know, the, the problem today, I think, is that, you know, because of all the technology around, which is great, don't get me wrong, but it, it's an analysis of what's going on. It doesn't actually give you the prescription to fix somebody. It doesn't matter if you take launch monitors or force plates or 3D analysis. It's really telling you what's taking place, and you mm-hmm. really have to adapt. I think as a coach and a teacher, I, you know, I, I'll be honest. I, I, I'm actually pleased that I grew up in an era of non-video where I had to use my instincts in order to teach. I mean, you get you know one of the greatest teachers of all time. Well, there's been several, but I mean, one of the greatest was John Jacobs from the UK, and mm-hmm. this, this he could he could fix somebody literally in five minutes. I mean, he was. I've actually seen John, I saw John turn his back and actually hear the sound of the contact. And um, ah. um, <laughs> he said, okay, well, this is what I'd like you to do. I mean, so that's wow. instinct and intuition. You know, you can't, you, 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 that's something that the problem is now, you know, you get a lot of these young coaches, you know, they, just, they have a they have a, a, a track man with them and it's like, okay, well, this is what we've got to do. We've got to swing to, to the numbers. And so, I mean, there is more symmetry in, in golf swings these days. Yes, the modern swing and modern. I mean, there are there are more swings that have 
similar looks, shall sure. we say. But, 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 but as a teacher, and, and I want to now segue to the, the straightaway, which we talked about when you were on a couple months ago. Tim and I both got them yesterday. Uh, I was just coming back from a tournament, so... I've unpacked it and put it on a golf club. Tim went out this morning to a range. But I want to talk about, because this is, I think, a decent segue to the idea that there are some non-negotiables in golf. You know, we would say basics or structural non-negotiables. And, you know, we've, I've, well, last time, Tim and I, we both have read a lot of your books. And, you know, uh, the, the first book with uh, David Frost as the animated uh, character, I can't remember the name of it, but we, you know, I had that for years. The golf swing. The golf swing. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Tough title. Tough title. Exactly. (laughs) Somehow the title escapes me. So, and, and I think you would agree, there are some things in a swing that are universal and you've identified, after all these years, um, I want to go through the, the list of questions and then we can talk about Tim's experience this morning. Why do you think the takeaway is the most important, this is a three-parter, David, possibly misunderstood and overlooked part of golf instruction? Why do you think that? I think it's a, a case of, look, it, let, let's take baseball, for instance, where you, you've really... Look, you've got a, what, a six-inch backswing, if you, if you will, you know, from where you start. I think in golf, the, the, fact that, the fact is you look at it and think, okay, well, there are lots of different swings. And I think a lot of golfers look at it as, okay, well, let's, I think the term takeaway actually is a, is a bad term. I, I actually like the word or the term move away because you're moving the club away. But the problem is when you take it back, you know, we, hey, a golf club weighs, you know, weighs what? In our terminology, you know, a, a pound or half a kilo, shall we say? Okay, the fact the, the fact is, it's very light. It's, it's an easy object to actually get moving, and you can you do it with your hands and arms. And to me, that's the biggest issue that we have with players. Where if you look at you look at the top players, there's a, a definite synchronicity between how the body moves and how the club moves, and that's the key. It's a, it's a very yeah, the takeaway is a very short movement. You know, it's interesting. They, they call it the take back in, in Asia, Japan and Korea, the take back. Uh, um, but so this takeaway movement, I mean, Arnold Palmer said it, uh, I think he put it very succinctly when he said, look, the most important move in the swing is the first two feet. Because if you get off to a good start, it's almost like, hey, you're on, you're on track, you're mm-hmm. on the rails, everything else follows from there so I, I think and it's very misunderstood i mean you ask a, a golfer listen what's how do you start the backswing well they start i started with the club in my hands my arms i move it in one piece i take it straight back i i'm you know i'm a slicer i try to take it inside i cock my wrists early i mean you know, many many sort of uh, i would say myths as far as how the, the the club moves away and to me Look, what's the point of working on, say, the top of your backswing or transition or coming to impact if you haven't got the first move right? Right. And so, and and it's not it's not that difficult a move to make because uh, if you say, I mean, look, there's a lot of there's a lot of different training aids out. We call this a swing aid because it aids the swing, and it's not it's not it doesn't force you into a position. It identifies where you should be, and so it gives you the how, the what, and the why. And so, to me. If, if you can get off to a good start, it really just sets the trend for the rest of the swing. And because I say, I just, look, there are 
even the top players, uh, John Ram and Matt Fitzpatrick, have a slightly different look. But they all have that look, where, and I use it a lot, where the hands are, for a period of time, the hands are in and the club head is out. It's yes. like the hands are moving on one circle, the club head's moving on another. And the problem from that is down the line, from that behind down the line view? Yes, exactly, exactly. And um, it's, it's, it's really interesting because, I mean, the club head moves very slightly inside the line and, uh, and the butt of the club moves actually or, or should move slightly closer to your right leg as you move it away. But let me just and jump in. Do you, do you think as a, as a guy that's been watching golf swings your whole life, do you think that is the overlooked part that most amateurs, when you see a, a, a guy struggling, whether it's a low handicapper or whatever, a high handicapper, you think that's something that we don't investigate that is overlooked? Absolutely. I, I, I really, really do. I, and it's, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, as I say, I, a few months ago, I was down in Jamaica and I did, I did some clinics for a friend of mine who's at that Half Moon Bay, a really nice resort down in Jamaica, in Montego. And so he said, listen, we've got some guests here that would really like to see you. And so I said, sure, that's, that's fine. You know, I think as, as a doctor of golf, shall we say, you know, you always trying to help people. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, some of them are incurable, but, uh, you know, hopefully you can, you know, have you ever met a bit. Have you ever met a patient where you've said, "Listen, just, just get your affairs in <laughs> <Yeah>. order. <laughs> get your affairs in order. Say goodbye to your family." <laughs> well, yeah, I've been I've been close, but uh, no, I've, I've you know I I think everybody has the ability to sort of play to their potential, whatever it may be, you know. And but you know, but anyway, getting back to the story in Jamaica. And we had about twenty people, varying, you know, men, women, seniors, juniors good players, average players, etc. And literally, I mean, the, the golf professional down there, Kevin Cunningham, a friend of mine, uh, he was astonished because we literally worked. I had, the, I, had the, I had a straightaway with me, and uh, we, we literally worked the takeaway with every player because you can source so many swing problems back to that first move, I can assure you. And so, you know, it is – the thing is what you're doing, you're getting to the cause of the problem. You know, you're not trying to fix the effect, which I think a lot of a lot of training aids, even a lot of coaches, unfortunately, you know, they don't have a lot of time with people. So let's let's fix the effect, you know, the over the top move. Okay, come on, drop that right elbow into the side, get that right shoulder lower. You know, feel like you're looping the club. Well, if you've if, if you've established sort of a pattern early on, which is really you know, gears itself towards, say, maybe swing it around you, then over the top. I mean, you've got no chance of really permanently fixing that. And so the thing I like about the straightaway is it educates people. It actually, there's not a lot, not a lot involved, but it, it does educate you where you should be and how to get. Well, well David Ledbetter, I just happened to have a uh, recent uh, straightaway um, uh, client of yours. Uh, what's your name, sir? Is it Tim? Uh, yeah, uh, Tim O'Connor. Yeah, Tim, listen, you were recently on a uh, range this morning using the straightaway. Maybe you could uh, explain to the folks here uh, what the uh, straightaway, first of all, how easy it was to use. And let, me, what, let me say one thing here, guys. Let me yes. I'm do, sorry. The, David, okay. don't interrupt this skit. Go ahead. <laughs> Just okay. <kidding. laughs> it's called the straightaway because the arrow on, on the little tool yes. looks straight away from you. It's not yes. that you're trying to take the club straight away. No, no, of okay, course. So that's... Okay. But but what it does do is what you described. It puts it, it puts you in a position a lot of us are unfamiliar with, which is that your hands go in, the club goes out. But Mr. O'Connor, uh, I guess here's the funny thing is, uh, Dave, I get a note from uh, may I call you Dave, by the way? Uh, hey, whatever. I okay. answer anything. Honestly. Um, 
because I've seen it seemed informal somehow. David, uh, I got a note from Tim this morning saying, well, I'm going to be a little late on the call. I said, why? He goes, I'm going to the range to try to try this out. <laughs> so, uh, Timmy, how was it? Is this thing on? Yes. Can you go ahead. Me? Just speaking in the microphone, young man. um it was uh really really interesting i'll tell you that um and what was really interesting too is that i took a picture of this straightaway on my club and i and i sent it to you but i also sent it to david's assistant and then i'm getting ready to leave (laughs) there's a there's a message david wants to talk to you i went how cool is this? David Ledbetter wants to give me a lesson on the phone on the range. So I'm just still sort of, I'm still sort of getting over that. So that was kind of cool. But um, no, it was a really, really interesting experience, David. And um, so I'll just start with this: is that um, when I was using it, I would take about three practice swings. I had a golf club across my toes. And I would just take three swings. I just kind of watch the arrow, uh, and as it would, you know, point away at that nine o'clock position. If the ball was a six o'clock, I wanted that arrow to go at nine o'clock. Basically, arms and, parallel or or shaft yeah. parallel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, no, it was more the arrow parallel. On the device was right. parallel to the club, uh, and and so my tendency was to have that arrow going inside mm-hmm. and so when i started to take it more back i could it almost felt like to me like i was hooding the club coming back but when i started to feel more comfortable with it i couldn't miss <laughs> you know if, uh, can you just if, get back to so tell me about the phone call with with, with mr ledbetter because i want one <laughs> <laughs> well i'm gonna i'm gonna save that one okay. for another time david we'll uh We'll we'll have our mobile instruction uh, later on. Thank you for the offer. I just so appreciate it. I was just tickled to death by that. (laughs) But here's my point, is that if I felt, if I observed that that was going back, those three little practice swings, and then I just trusted it, had that feeling of that club face going back, and for me it was that it would stay more square to the line, and I could feel my right hip starting to turn. If I just made a, a kind of felt that I made a, a, a kind of completed my backswing, if you will, right. and let it go. Pow. I mean, it was just like the, like, it was like this, you know, the butter draw, the little fade. And it was just like, Holy cow, this is cheating. Uh, David, I think what you well, said, that's, okay. you know, that's funny. You should say that. I had a 15 year old kid in Mexico. He said to me, David, I want to become a distributor in Mexico. He's a good young player. And uh, he said, this is like cheating. Wow. (laughs) It's it's interesting. I wanted to say, you know, because that's why I wrote those questions, that it's misunderstood, even by very, very good players. Because uh, I, I got home last night. I was doing my laundry because I've been on the, I've been playing, I played four tournaments in a row this week. So I'm getting off the road and I thought, okay, before I have this discussion with David Ledbury, I should at least hook it up to a club because I've got a room in my house that, you know, I call golf lab. My ex-girlfriend called it the golf nursery. So I have it on a club and I've got an impact bag there. And I will tell you, I've got an alignment stick on the ground, just like you described him. But David, I got to tell you, as a better player. Here's what I noticed. Yes, it did definitely put me in a different position on the backswing. But one of the things that you say in the, in the instructions, which are, by the way, folks, very simple. 
Here's what I noticed on the way through. And I don't want to, this gets this too complicated, but you know what I'm talking about, David? When you come through and you have the line, you have the arrow now pointing the opposite way, the position yep. it puts your hands in, that was a revelation for me. Because I, yeah, I, I, mean, I, have been, I have been flipping at the bottom for quite a mm-hmm. while this year. And what it did right. is it showed me just how far ahead your hands are supposed to be while that club is in that position. And I thought that was a little added bonus from this thing. Uh, for sure. You know, that. listen, it's, it is definitely geared towards a takeaway, but especially for better players, uh, that image of, of the hands being in and the club being out, yeah. almost approaching impact, is, is one which is really, really key and really surprises a lot of people. In fact, the great thing with the straightaway is that a teacher or a coach using it can actually tailor it to the to a player. So, for instance, that arrow, if you're a slicer, you want that arrow coming in from behind you. That's the image that you want. So it's, a, it's as if it's the, the club hit is more behind your hands because, sure. let's face it, you know, slicers get the club in front of them too early. So it's a, it's a multi – I mean – the thing is, guys, too, check it out with the short game with pitching and chipping because normally speaking, if you have a, a flaw in your full swing with the takeaway, that will bleed into the short game as well. Yeah, uh, so 100%. Yeah, I, I'm just going to So, Tim, were you mind. hitting balls with it? It was You, you could actually yeah. hit oh, Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, no, it was really cool. Um, but what I could so – I'm going to connect back to Mo Norman. It's so cool that you you mentioned that um, about you know Mo would set the 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 club head behind the ball. It was somewhere around say I think about fourteen sixteen inches. And Mo said you always want to take the club back low and slow. Well, he doesn't get much lower and slower than that. <laughs> but the, the here's the two things that I connected with to the straightaway is that when Mo would do that, he'd already start to pre-turn, if you will. Mm-hmm. That right hip would also would the, the kind of that you describe it in the instructions as turning your stomach. So mm-hmm. you would also you'd already starting that that rotation, but that club is on a perfect path going back, and because the the I'll ask you, David, isn't I find one of the most common uh, errors that people make is that as they take it back, they they take the club way inside. And and from there, you know, no wonder you're going to slice or push the ball. Or if you're slightly better player, you're either going to have a push or a hook because you're so far inside. So so speak to me how the straightaway helps with those things. Well, interesting enough, you know, over the years, in fact, if you, if you ask Ernie else now how he starts his backswing, he'll tell you with his belly button. Okay, that's, that's – so does the club head move? Obviously it does. Do the hands move? Sure. The arms? Yeah. Shoulders? Yeah. But the, the core – and you know, obviously that's a buzzword now uh, with people who work out a lot and what have you get the core strong. But the core definitely is involved. It's not just putting the club in that position. We've actually – Interesting enough there, Tim, we've actually identified eight different bad takeaways that players make. You know, I mean, it's, you know, whipping it in, taking it out, picking it up, you know, opening the face, closing the face. I mean, I mean, so it's not just one bad takeaway. There's, and But the, the great thing is the solution is there's only one really, in my opinion, correct way of doing it. And I think some of the tour players, they don't do it 100%, but if you look at them all, that's the that's the. That's a huge difference. I mean, if you if you lined up ten amateurs and you lined up ten pros, you would all see they've got the you know the the pros pros have got the hands inside the club, where the other 
the the amateurs generally speaking right the, the club head is behind the hands and so it's you know very obvious very obvious well what i noticed last night even so i i you know i was very excited to to receive the straight away and so i'm reading i'm watching your videos i'm reading the instructions i got on my club and i'm sitting there <laughs> <laughs> on the couch watching the, the the women's U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. Mm. And what I'm starting to notice is how synchronized the best women players in the world are as it goes back. It's like that club is going back, but as you mentioned, the core is turning. And I think right. what the average player does is just he or she just whips that club back. Sucks it back inside, yeah. And they're not in yeah. sync. And just yeah. sort of finish the thought – I find it most distinct in Ricky Fowler's swing. And you know, we're seeing a lot of Ricky, obviously. He yeah. is just such a great example of hands in, club out. Oh, no, for sure. And, you know, you're, <laughs> look, uh, for many years, I mean, one of, one of my assistants worked with uh, Mike Weir in the early years, right? And uh, Mike Wilson, his name was. And so, you know, if you look at, you look at Mike, he, he's actually established that look over the years where he's actually oh, yeah. the takeaway, right? Yeah, he would always yeah. take that look. And then look how many look how many players today are actually doing this. Yeah, the, the extended I mean, the extended waggle, because when he used to do it, it was a bit of an anomaly. But now Justin Thomas does that, a bunch of uh, Rose does it. Shuffle, I mean yep. I mean the list goes on. I mean virtually I mean if you look at if you watch a lot of the, the LPGA players, virtually all of them do it. I mean it's really it's a, a rehearsal. And I mean if you look at uh, you know, players like uh, Sam Burns, I mean, they're actually, and Justin Thomas, they actually look at it. They yes. look at it, and they return their eyes to the ball, and off they go. So we've actually, I suggest people actually incorporate that, what we call the modern waggle, into the swing. Because right. it's as if, okay, you rehearse it, look back, and off you go. One thing Tim said, and I noticed it too, and, and it's funny, because there's been a couple of guys I've worked with here in Toronto Scott Cokes is the guy I'm referring to, Tim. Very yeah. good teacher, David. And, and when I started working with him, when I would stop at that point, which you would call it the modern waggle point, the club looked shut to me. Yeah, exactly. And, that and was my experience this morning. The, and the reason it will, when we, and, and again, we give it swing thoughts, highest recommendation to get this thing, because Tim and I have both been anticipating it for a while. But I'll tell you, the, I noticed that in Golf Lab last night. I'm like, oh, there's that position again that I'm not normally in, and I'm a decent player. So it's a reminder that, you know, the feel isn't real. When you're, you're at that point in the swing your that the hands in club out point that club will still look shut to you but it's not it's square to the plane not to get too technical yeah, right exactly yeah and one thing i'd like to say honestly i'm not purporting to say hey this is the david ledbetter method whatever that is i'm just saying and i think all most coaches and teachers agree how you start the swing how the club should look as you make the battle from there hey if you want to get on one plane two plays if you want to you want it flatter, you want it more upright, you want the wrist bowed, you want it mean. So I, th- I think you know, any teacher can use this. And it just really, I mean, the great thing about it is that you're giving, you're giving a player, you're putting the onus on the player, hey, work on this little takeaway move. You can go, you can make practice swings at home, you can hit balls with it, you know, it works great thing for Canadians, it works for lefties as well. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's a way of being able to establish the start. From there on in, I mean, Yes, I mean, there are other factors, how your body moves and the position of the plane, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, everything's so much easier if you get off to a good start. Okay, well, so one let, things that... Go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, is that... Um, 
so I, I, I said facetiously, it's like cheating, but it does make it easier because I think one of the most common faults uh, that I see in other players, but I see it in myself, is not getting the swing off to a smooth, synchronized start. And what I found today was that just that allowed me just to make that you know smooth synchronize that the hands arms everything is moving together but it's not like a forced thing it's just happening and i just think that that simplifies ball striking so instead of trying to so you hit some bad shots offline whatever skull a chip and, and go oh what am i doing wrong and and going through the oh. rolodex of swing thoughts I think if you can just maintain the simplicity of that, say, getting off to a smooth, synchronized start. I don't know. How does that land for you, David? No, no, 100%. I mean, look, I've always used the term, the dog wags the tail. Okay, so yes, the you dog certainly have, the, yep. The bog, dog being the body, if you will, the torso, and the, the, the tail being the, the hands, the arms, and the club. And so here's a tip. It's, you know, the th- one of the things is when you try to get a position – tension creeps in and you try to put it there. Mm-hmm. So I, I I like this little uh, almost sort of this tip, if you will, where you actually slide your hands up the club just a fraction. You get your little finger, your pinky finger, off the end of the club. And this what this does, it completely softens and relaxes the arms. In fact, Ben Hogan used to he used to do that. People that a lot, lot of people don't. Are you know talking about your right hand, your your top or hand, your left hand, the top, your your pinky finger of your of your of, of the your uh, top the top hand? hand. Okay, because okay? we're, we're all writing these down. Okay, yeah, you, you slide that out there, so that's actually off the club. Okay, so it's, you can fold it in there if you can see that. But the fact the fact is that this little finger here wants to be off the club, and you you can't believe how it eliminates the tension. So mm-hmm. you maybe tear a ball out there, but it takes all the tension out of the forearms. You you really, you don't, you don't necessarily want a loose grip, maybe a light grip, but you definitely want soft forearms because this allows the body to actually get the club moving. And I think, obviously, grip tension is a is a, a huge problem with a lot of players. Totally, totally. So, you know, and look, and, and, and just one final thing here with this is that, yeah, establishing if you've got good posture and a good grip, that just that aids it. But to me, the takeaway really is a fundamental in the swing, which is somewhat overlooked. So where do I, I, I have a fall? I have a final question for you, but quickly, let's let everyone know it's called the straightaway. Uh, straightaway, yeah. And uh, I'm assuming we can go to davidledbetter.com. Well, actually, yeah, straightawaygolf.com. Straightawaygolf.com. Um, yeah. This is your second time on the show. You've now emailed us. We have the straightaway. As I mentioned, I feel like we're buddies now. Let's yeah, see. Uh, well, I'm gonna. What I'm gonna do? Uh, I, I'd like to send you a few, and you can uh, give have some contest, whatever you want to do. And Absolutely. To okay. Well, so, thank you. So we would love to do that, and I we, I saw that note as well, and that's very generous of you. Uh, this phone call thing, I want part of that. But let's just say, <laughs> let's say you knew, let's say one of your Canadian buddies. Hey, I got him first, pal. All right. Yeah. But, but I'm, I think I'm struggling more than you are. Let's say one of your Canadian buddies named Howard. Uh, give me give me a 30 second assessment because I, uh, I'm generally a pretty good driver of the ball. Uh, handicap is whatever it is. Um, and I hit it pretty good. But the last uh, month or so, especially in competition, I've started to smother hook my drives again. Do you think this, do you think it's part, part of the diagnosis? Would you say is that I am bringing it back too far inside off, off my bigger swings? It it could very well be uh, how, you know, the the big thing, I think what the straightaway really does um, 
it, it tracks your hands, it tracks the club head. But the big, the, the big thing, as, as, as Tim was alluding to, it synchronizes your swing. The right. problem with good players, you know, when, when you have the club going behind you and then getting, you know, getting up to the top, it's, it's almost like the club travels too far relative to the way it, it should travel. In other words, I, I talk about in terms of, look, if I was a 400-meter runner, which I'm not, but if I was, okay, and I started on, on the inside track and then I moved to the middle and then I moved back to the, to the outside again, I w- actually wouldn't be running 400 meters. I'd probably be running 408 meters. So, mm-hmm. so in other words, it's a very inefficient way of actually moving. And so the problem here is that, especially with good players, you normally have a pretty good lower body movement. The, the problem is the, the body gets too far ahead. Then the club has to try to catch up. So the thing is the, the, um, the straightaway really sinks the swing up. And this is what we're finding with players who start from the that tour takeaway. We call it the tour takeaway position. They start from there. It just synchronizes things. I mean, does it eliminate the complete look of the fault? No, it doesn't. But it times things up so much better that people start hitting the ball out of the middle of the club face. It's okay. Like, Whoa. Well, can I, I'm I, actually. I'm going to try. One of your young players. I've got one of your young players. Sorry, interrupting here. I'm trying to get obviously a lot of information across there, but. I got one of your young players, Stuart McDonald, who's a long-time student of mine in Winter Academy. He's a young player, played pretty well in the Canadian Open this year. I think he was almost leading Greens in regulation. I think, but uh, anyways, he's he's just started using, and it. it's amazing what it's done. The look of his swing has completely changed. It's almost as if, wow, that looks different. I mean, he's shallowing the club correctly. He's he looks so much better at impact, and it's all all due to, all due to the. The fact that he's making a much better move away from the ball, his first move. Well, I appreciate that because I'll tell you what, it's been, I, there's definitely something that's, you know, the, what they call that, the kinematic sequence. My sequence, especially with longer clubs, has been uh, chaotic. Uh, let me just describe it that way. David, thank you for yeah. your time today. I promise you, we will, we will be hounding you for more appearances now that we're buddies. Anytime. And Anytime, uh, and uh, we'll get those. Uh, let's hook up the straightaways. We'll give them away to our audience. And I think everyone will benefit it. Thanks uh, very much, sir. We appreciate it. My pleasure. There's David. Thanks, David. Take care. Yeah. I just, uh, when he goes, I just have a question about your experience. So w- w- let me get this straight. You get an, ass- you get a, uh, <laughs> you get a, um, email from his assistant saying, David wants to talk to you. And you say, no, I've got no time for David Ledbetter. What was that? <laughs> How did that work? I don't well, know if you, and when you go back and look at this video, look at my face when I heard, I thought for a second that you got, you got to talk to him. I was so fucking jealous. Okay. So why didn't you so hear what happened? So, yeah. so anyways, um, so I sent. So what I said, I sent the picture, the same one I said to you. Yeah, man, I said, it work. I'm on a range right now, just to set up, look right. And I got back from assistant. Looks like the straightaway should be right directly under the grip. So if you're on, um, let me see. So I, I had it initially. I had it. Um, anyway, they, I, well, they they say in the instructions two inches below the grip. Yeah, but they, they but uh, the the assistant said it should be be uh, you know right up to the. Right up to the end of the, the grip. grip. Okay. Like, like if, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see it. Um, but it was funny. Uh, here's David's contact. Call him directly, and he wants to chat with you on it. <laughs> so the only problem was is that I had committed to a, a coaching call at 8 o'clock. With this, I was doing a tournament debrief with one of my players, and um, 
I, I just wasn't going to wriggle out of that commitment. So um, it was just kind of funny. So I just sent back and it's, oh, I can't. I'm flattered, but I have a coaching call right now. Make for a great conversation on our podcast. Um, and then went, oh, sounds good. So it did. Okay. Well, okay. This call couldn't have come after the podcast. Uh, Do you understand David Ledbetter was going to talk you through the setup of his one of his training devices and then get your feedback? Anyway, you know what? You're a better man than me because I would have blown that guy off so fast. I would have said, yeah, listen, uh, tournament debrief. Are you in the U.S. Open? No. Is it your club championship? I'll talk to you later. But anyway, uh, I will like I I hit I'm, I hooked That's it up funny. last night. And uh, like I said, I immediately could see a difference in my takeaway. But I, I could really see. And I don't know if you, you I don't know what you felt about that. But for the better players, what it's going to do is when you get to impact just before impact, you're going to look back and see. I don't want to get too complicated, but it's the same position of hands in, club out. It's the opposite of what most of us do. Even exactly. better players. You know, I, I obviously, you know, a better player, which I considered myself at one time a better player. Um, it's okay. I know. It's okay. But, but you're, still, you're still that person. I don't think so. It doesn't diminish who you are. <laughs> it does. <laughs> um, I've got some great uh, stuff to share with you, but... Uh, but, you know, Mo talked about, or and Sheds talks about this too, about a, a line of compression through the ball. Yep. Oh, yeah. And even if you understand that intellectually, if I put most people in, the, in that position that this device puts you in at impact, it's, it, would be, it would freak you out because your hands are so far ahead of where you normally are at impact. I, let me, sorry, just prior to impact. And uh, Hogan talked about this. Sheds talked about it. Mo Norman talks about it. And this this device, I was that was my biggest surprise. Is not so much the takeaway because again, I've been instructed on that before. But it was the pre impact position. I was like, ooh, that that looks way different than what I've been doing. That's interesting. So I'll I'll take a look at that. My I had like twenty five minutes. It was it was actually quite comical. Um, so I've got Guelph Lakes five minutes from my house and then I got Victoria Park which is about say 12 minutes from my house and I just said you know I wanted to get out I wanted to try it before we got on the on the on the horn with David and um, so I'm Floating Guelph Lakes, but no one's picking up. And oh my God, <laughs> I'm trying to find an open range. Exactly, I feel less, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I find so in the car, I phone Victoria. Hey, Victoria Park East, uh, is your range open? Yes. Oh, great. See you soon. <laughs> so I get there, and and there's guys warming up for a tournament, and I'm you know getting this thing on the thing. And I'm thinking. Then I went. This is cool. This is really cool. I'm trying out a device. That David Ledbetter sent to me, and then I'm going to get to talk to him about it. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool. So I only had a limited amount of time, so I was just, I was just focusing on that, you know, the takeaway. Part but you of did it. find it uh, helped. Oh my gosh! Really? Ab- absolutely. Cool. Um, still, I can fall prey to my usual types of things where, you know, I don't quite make a what i would i hate using the word smooth but you know like just through tension um starting the the downswing before completing the backswing if you Mm -hmm. will you know that typical kind of stuff you get out of rhythm so if i just rushed over there i mean you were just you know you were were kind of in a a frenzy yeah so 
but if I just got off to a good start and and just felt kind of my body come to a conclusion, I was wasn't trying. I was just witnessing it and just let it go. Man, it was just like there was no left of lefts. <laughs> And, and everything, the dispersion was like pretty tight. You know, my tight. I just want to jump in. One of my favorite things that you said, and this says, this is shows what kind of golf nerds we are. Um, like if you told somebody who's not in golf that you were sitting on your couch watching golf while dicking around with a golf aid on your couch and looking at like they would get like what? <laughs> but all golfers heard that sentence. Went yeah, that sounds normal. You know, like all of us have sat watching golf and gotten up during the commercials if you haven't taped it and done golf swing stuff, you know, or I'll see something on a golf broadcast and go, well, I should go try that. I'll run up to golf lab. And, totally. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Now, anyway, um, in our remaining time, I think it's uh, interesting that, uh, you know, we have two sides of the golf experience. I get a uh, text, or I guess it was an email or a text from you, a message from you somehow in the last week or so about this transcendent, you know, run of golf. You had a couple of 77s and a 73, your lowest round. And you're like, oh, I'm just playing. At Blue Springs. At Blue Springs. You're like, I'm just playing so great. And it's just golf and it's beautiful and life is great. And I'm reading that thinking, you know, I'm on the other side where. Every day is a challenge not to, you know, break up with golf and go back to flying. And, and I was like, well, that'll be an interesting podcast. So I'll let you go first. Let's go to the lights. Let's go to the lightness. Um, and uh, then I'll uh, talk about, uh, well, what you don't know. I've got a surprise for you, so I'll, I'll keep it. So why don't you start? Uh, so, what, what, so what's what's going on that is making you that making making golf seem easy for you? I would say it's in all honesty, it's playing kind of by instinct. It's not going up to the ball and thinking like I've got to finish my back swing, I've got to make a good turn, like nothing like that. And I'm, you know, I'm telling people all the time, hey, you don't want to be thinking. Who does that? Yeah, me for sure. You know, I've got. You know, seven seven decades of operating in this in this world in a certain way. It's hard to change that. But so what I I just it was about ten days ago. I just went. You know, I'm just going to swing at this instinctually. You know, there's the target. I got this tool in my hand, and I'm just going to swing it. And then it just started to just come. That the, the contact was better. Um, this dispersion and. When I just sort of felt like I was allowing it to happen, like bang, and it just golf starts become a you know for this short period of time at least, it just seemed to be easier, and it was like, you know, the, the, the I shot one seventy seven and it was, that was with like um, that was with with a couple of like really st- stupid decisions off tees and stuff, you know, but the the seventy three was so easy mm-hmm. and again so that's me i don't want to drone on anymore no i want you to because just, you know because i, it was because I want you to drone on because 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 inevitably when golf goes away you can come back to this podcast and go yes there was a moment in time because i i was i would ask you this as a fellow guru do you think that whatever that thought was i'm going to make it instinctual which is a great thing for people to take away from this show did that produce the golf or did maybe some 
Like, or, you know, what came first, right? Like you started hitting it. Did that thing make you hit it better and then you scored lower? Or that notion, that idea sort of relaxed you for your normal ability just to come through? The latter. It relaxed me for my normal ability to come through. And it started when we were at Saugeen. Yeah, the last three or four holes, you, you hit it better than you did the first 23. Yeah, so here's a typical trap that I fall into, and I think a lot of our listeners will will, will relate. So I think it was my last round before Saugeen or practice session. I just had it in my head that, oh, if I finish my backswing, all will be bliss, joyful, and wonderful. Mm. And so I went to Saugeen. And it was just like, okay, finish your backswing. And once again, I got caught in the trap of thinking about what I was doing. So I'd be standing over the ball thinking, finish your backswing. So I wasn't even present. I wouldn't be present to say the tension I had uh, in, in, in my setup or, or anything, like, anything like that. Or even say, fun, uh, you know, overlook some fundamentals like alignment and things like that. And I just went, you know what? That is just such a... That is Timmy's mistake, is to fall back into that area of of thinking of that I have to do something rather than just be. And uh, so I think you might connect with this because of the the, the prior book you're reading. Um, So to me, I went, if I like I've been playing this game for a while, I've got a lot of experience. I got a, a degree of talent, a smidge. Just draw on that when you're playing. So that was just like, okay, just just swing at it. There's a target. So so if I could, you know, intellectually, I'm labeling it as swinging on instinct. And it just made the game easier. Well, again, something clicked because, you know, for most of the first, you know, 80% of that round, you know, we were both not hitting it great, but you were sort of uncharacteristically you know kind of all over the place and then something clicked because the last three or four holes like i said last time we did the show it was very impressive uh you know you hit the ball differently there was a freedom to it Mm. uh yeah now um i can't remember how much we talked about this last week but so i've i have had the opposite (laughs) i had the opposite experience um you know, I don't, we don't, I don't, I, it's just, it's too much really to, to squeeze into the last 10 minutes of this podcast. But suffice to say, this isn't just golf hell. This is like, you know, I wrote down this phrase, like, I feel like I want to break up with golf. You know what I mean? I feel like I've fallen out of love with it. I feel like, you know, it's, um, it's moved to, I, I've moved so far away from my prime directive as golf spiritual leader that, you know, I, I feel sometimes like I'm drowning in it. Now, that's not to say that it's completely hopeless, but uh, I did something. You know, we were very lucky in this show. We get to talk to David Ledbetter and all sorts of people from, from Carl Morris to Richard Zogel. Zogel, I, Zogel can't stop calling me. He's like, uh, he's like my AA sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> it's, although it's funny i haven't talked to zogel this is the longest we've gone without talking for like five days anyway yeah he's like my uh he is like my aa sponsor that's Your funny Sherpa. yeah that's really funny anyway um so i talked to so anyway the point is we've had access to all these people and, and most of the time we will get a courtesy 
Carl Morris will do a, a talk with us. Not all the time. Like I, I've paid for uh, in these eight years, I've paid for some sessions with guys. Um, Fred. Fred Shoemaker, for sure. Fred's yeah. not doing stuff for free. And so when I tell you that I've had uh, one of three sessions I'm going to have with Dr. Ray, uh, yeah. it, it's not uh, it's quite something. And uh, Raymond Pryor, who we mentioned quite a bit last week because of the book Golf Beneath the Surface. Yeah, he's 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 I, I got the friends and family, but believe me, it's. Apparently, he doesn't really like his family that much. <laughs> now, that's a joke, because I'm going to tell you, it's uh, it's quite something. And Ray works with, not only does he work with tour players, LPGA and PGA and whatever. He also works, and I didn't realize this until I did a little, you know, I read his bio. He works with Grammy Award winning musicians and Academy Award winning uh, actors and high level. He's a a performance consultant, not just a golf consultant. Yeah. So not only am I reading the book and writing my PhD on it, like I've got copious notes on the book. Of course. But talking to him, I had a session with him last Monday and then I played Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And uh, yeah, you know, we kind of kind of got to the core of what is my issue. One of my issues. And uh, and there's some technique around it and then some journaling and then some, you know, the, you know, with Ray, when we had him on the show, I hadn't really got a, I hadn't really read the book enough to understand what to what he was talking about. But basically, you know, it's just a different way of thinking about how you show up as a golfer in this in this particular case, me as a golfer. So uh, it wasn't magical. I still had a lot of, you know, dark moments this week. But. At least I can say every day now, like, okay, you know, that was kind of shitty, but I, I have a different way of interpreting it, I would say. Does that make sense? It does. And what I find is interesting and will reflect on our really interesting chat with Rick, Richard Zoko last week is that, so, okay, you and I have been doing this podcast for eight years. Yes. 236 episodes or so. And we've... We've interviewed, you know, some, like the high foreheads of this game. And so if we and, and, and I'm sure that in the right space, if you will, that you could recall the key points that in conversations we had with, say, Ellen Langer, Judson Brewer, Michael Hebron. So they're like mm-hmm. amazing. So if we took the knowledge just from that, I know this stuff. Well, logic would say, well, then obviously I'm going to play better. I'm going to, in my life, everything's going to be sweetness and light because of this knowledge I have. But that is quite obviously incorrect because it's our behaviors that are the key thing that that directs what we do. Mm-hmm. So, And that's what Carl Morris has said many times. Is it's not what we know, it's what we do. And that's the thing that... I come back to all the time is yes, we need to take action like you spoke about. Uh, and you know, an action could be that we're going to follow a protocol like Richard Zokel said about, you know, assess and execute and grade ourselves on that and, 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 and practice acceptance and divorce ourselves from calling around shitty, you know, mm-hmm. so anyways, that's just my long way of saying, um, it's it's it, it's not about what we know. No, I agree. It's not what we actually do in those in those behaviors, and and if we don't have awareness of those behaviors, so what? So 
sort of in closing on this part, I would say that in your chat with Raymond Pryor, would it be fair to say you're getting a better sense of your awareness of the behaviors that you go through? Well, I just wanted to back up what you're saying about, you know, the eight years of doing this show, like both of us, my older brother always says, like, I have a PhD in golf. And so do you like I have, I have a PhD in this stuff. If I were if I, you know, I, I don't coach, but I could I have enough knowledge that I could help 100%. somebody. The problem is I can't help myself. You know, that old physician heal thyself. Yep. Like, you know, like. I could also, you know, I have enough knowledge of the golf swing as well, but I can't, I can't, I'm out of touch. And that, and I would totally admit that I am losing touch with that stuff um, because of the unpleasantness that golf has become over yeah. the last couple of months. Uh, all of my own doing, and you're a thousand percent right that. You know, if I that that, uh, you know, e- even Zocal stuff, you know, like it, it's just putting technique on top of it's not, not not that it's window dressing because assessing and executing shots is really what golf is. Mm-hmm. But thinking that's going to cure what's going on inside me isn't the answer. And I would say that to Richard, like, yes, that's great. And yes, maybe Richard would say, yes, that will help you. But as you just have pointed out, and I agree with it, is it's not going to change what I think of myself and my behaviors around it. And what Raymond's does, and that, what the book does very well, by the way, and, and talking to him wasn't just a regurgitation of what I've read. There was a lot of stuff that was about some different things. But, but all of it, to your point, is bringing awareness to behavior and also finding a way to interpret your behavior, mm-hmm. not just as a golfer, but as a person, in a way that's, I love this, that brings more of an optimistic, explanatory style. Because I tend to have, and, and it's, it's all of us do, as survival mechanisms, we tend to be pessimistic because our old brain is going, danger, danger, you know, trouble, trouble. So we, exactly. that's why, you know, there's that joke of like, almost like it's like stranger danger. If I don't know you, I don't like you. It's, it's, yep. it's prehistoric. And as soon as Absolutely. and as soon as we get to know one another, I'm like, hey, I like you. But how many friendships start with people going, you know, when I first met you, I didn't like you that much because and we don't even know why we do that. But again, this is a long way of saying that uh, I just felt like, OK, I'm going to make the investment in this guy. Good for you. And because I need to talk to somebody that has a different point. Not not. And again, Doolin Fitzsimmons, I could name the guys that I can call you. I can call some of the best, uh, not only friends of mine, but great golf coaches and great golf minds. I could spend all afternoon talking to you about this stuff. But I thought, okay, maybe this guy will have a different way of interpreting what I'm going through and help me reinterpret it. Because, as I said, I'm not kidding. Like I'm, I feel some days there are moments when I have fallen out of love with it. Yeah, yeah. So cool, so cool. So where I go with that is... Um, I was talking with somebody the other day that I believe that golf is a is a technical game, it's a physical game, mental, emotional, and spiritual game. And then it starts to get a bit squishy for some people. Like, what do you mean? Like, you know, and 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 so the spiritual part is what are 
it, sort of how do we sort of view ourselves, particularly in our stressful moments? What are we saying about ourselves? Are you mm-hmm. saying you fucking idiot, mm-hmm. or some, or, or you know, or I'm not good at this. I'm not good enough. I I'm inadequate. So if you if you have those types of say messaging messages that generally have followed you around your whole life, and we all do. It's, it's called shadow. You could call it story belief systems. And those things are ingrained from childhood. And, and to me, is if, if you want to make change or, say, move forward in your life, you better know what sort of those foundational messages are because they will come up in those moments of stress and, and when you want things and, and when you're desiring and craving because that at your core are the messages that run your life. It's like scripts. But if you wrote that script when you're four years old and you're 64, uh, you, you're kind of, you're, you're, you're running your life off of a, <laughs> off of a script that was like immature and didn't see the world as an adult. So what I'm saying is, is that um, it's coming to understand, you know, what are the things that go on that could have an effect on our behavior and just, being aware of them. And when you're aware that you have a message, like mine would be, uh, one of them is just, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. That at, at, at When I'm in a sense of despair, uh, stress, you know, in a deep funk, what comes up? So when I, what's, I'm not good enough. But understanding that and being aware that, well, that's the message. Is that really true? No, it's not true. Well, that's funny you say that. Not funny, but interesting you say that because one of the ways to decode any statements you say to yourself, I'm not good enough or I'm not uh, a very good golfer, then you ask yourself the question, is that true? Well, no, I guess not. Because because it interrupts the flow of negativity. The next thing is, uh, how does it make me feel? Not how does this like and and then you go through these this, you know, I won't get into the technical part, but, you know, with with me, it was and I talked to him about this and I'm I'm, I I probably have said this before, but I'll say it again. I have this at my core when I'm playing like the way I'm playing now is I have this feeling that maybe I'm not as good as I think I am Mm -hmm. or as I should be. Yep. Dot, dot, dot. Given the amount of time, <laughs> fucking yep. energy and effort. Yes. You know, I, like I said, I, I said to Raymond, I said, you know, I could have cured lupus by now. Easy. Like, I got him. I seriously, if I had spent the same amount of time on lupus, there would be no lupus. Um, so that's what it is for me. I'm not as good as I think I am or as good as I should be considering how much time I put into this. And. You know, that's what we, he would call an A-frame thought. So it's very constricted. That's a pretty hard place to play golf from because it mm-hmm. constricts you. The opposite is a V-shaped thought, which is lots of space at the top. Yep. Because A-frame thoughts are, I'm not as good as I think I am, and at the bottom of leads to negativity and golf death. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, and that's a tough, there's a, t- a tough place to play golf from. And in a lot of ways, and, and you can make that A-frame on every aspect of your game, you know, and, and that's why sometimes when we have a chip, you know, when we stub it and we think, oh, fuck, I can't chip now. That's at the top of the A-frame. That's a pretty yeah. constricted thought as opposed to just going, well, sometimes I, I stub a chip. It's, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't mean everything. It just means in that moment I, I did something 
and it, it didn't work out. Yeah. So I, I just want to jump on that. That's jump. so cool. That that a frame thing is that that connects to a, a process called what's at risk. Yes. And I've done this process a lot. And so the process of say, I can't ship. So so you could say, what's at risk if you can't ship? Well, I can't score. What's at risk if you can't score? Right. I won't enjoy golf. What's at risk if you can't enjoy golf? Uh, I, I won't play with my friends and I'll be by myself. And what's at risk if you're by myself? I will die. I'm kicked out of the village. <laughs> <That's right>. Exactly. <laughs> I know. So, so, so what's interesting is that, but it all starts with that, that, and that's directly connected to a, a belief system about yourself. Right. I can't do this because I have a fundamental belief in my own inadequacy, my being trapped in, say, mediocrity. I'm drawn on my own. No, I get it. And, and, and you know, one, and, one of the things he said at times is going to come back to ahead. you quickly is before I forget it, because it's to your point, not everything we do, and we'll say as golfers, but, you know, slash human beings. And this is what I do a lot. And maybe other people, too, is a personal indictment of your skill level. Right. And and we tend and and what what I've been doing and a lot of people do this is as I've gotten more malaise around my play then every game is a personal indictment. Yep. Every shot exactly. I hit becomes, uh, uh, there's more proof that I suck at this and I'm not as good as I think I am or as good as I should be. And uh, so I'll just say in the three days since I had our session, him and I, you know, things have definitely lightened up, but not all of it. You know, and it's, nope. not, it's taken a long time to get here and it's going to take a long time to get out of it. But I've had some, I've had I had a better time for the most part this week. Not all of it, but for the most part, you know, I had an I did a twenty seven hole invitation, and you know, I played really really well for most yeah, of you it. Did. You I had, did. Yeah. I had a I had a quad and two triples, but the rest of the twenty four holes I was one over par. So I played some pretty sparkly golf. You did, but but those and 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 those moments when I had those chaotic moments as we can in, as golfers didn't stick to me didn't weigh me down um you know i have the don't give up part now in my dna it's not something i even need to think about anymore but it you know i'm not saying it didn't bug me i just know how to go from making a quad to birdieing the next hole i, ha- I have that i've own- i own that but mm. i can also have those moments and then feel shitty after but i didn't Again, you know, there were some moments, you know, where I did feel shitty after. And then I went and did my little notes and I went, okay, yep, is, yep, yep. is this true? And then I felt better. Well, th- I think a cool takeaway for our listeners is that um, you can have an insight from, say, reading a book or listening to a podcast like this one or taking a golf lesson or a session with a, a, any kind of coach. So you can have a number of different insights and, and it's good stuff, but the work just begins. Yeah. And the core work is in between sessions. It's it's what you're doing in your life, in your golf, in your whatever it is you're trying to move forward on, you know, to work towards a new way of being, if you will. So it's it's how you, you, you process that stuff. You quite honestly, you'll dream about it. You know, you'd be driving your car and suddenly, boom, there you are. You're, you're, you're experiencing it, you're, go, you're processing it. And so 
That's where the real work happens. Mm-hmm. And it's how do you integrate that into your life? So I love the fact that you're journaling because that keeps this stuff in front of you. The problem is, is that we get the knowledge. So we'll come back to that one. You know, I've been blessed to have some knowledge. Whoa, I, I got that piece of insight from someone. But if you're not integrating it into your life, it just seeps away and you stay in your old behavior. Yeah, and to be clear, I, you know, I talked to my buddy Kent, uh, who I played with. Uh, you met him. We played with him at Saugeen about what his golf journaling is. And this is a little bit different. It's in, it's in the I'm, – I'm journaling to this prior technique which is to decode what, how I felt about this experience. But it's all, I mean, you're, you're right. Putting down those thoughts, seeing in my own scribbly handwriting, there's yeah. something powerful about it. Uh, there's something that it does to your brain. And, and what you just said, I'm going to try and keep it in front of me because, you know, somebody came, brought this up the other day. It was really interesting. They said, uh, you know, I didn't know you in 2004 and 2005. That's when I gave up golf during my 10 years away. They said, I didn't know you then, but I'll bet you this is what you were like. And I said, absolutely. This is exactly what happened. And, and what happened to me is I was feeling this way and then something else caught my eye. And I was like, yep. oh, there's something I, and that's the, the weird thing. And again, I don't know if you know I'm a pilot, but the weird thing about flying. I know you're a pilot. Well, <laughs> I know, it's a joke. The weird thing about flying, weird, strange thing for me versus being a golfer is that, yeah, the, I, I, interestingly enough, the consequences for mistakes in aviation are way more dire, but the, <laughs> but, but the controlling aspect of aviation is what I, a guy like me wanted is that there are things you do that control it and they're predictable. They're the same all the time. Yeah, the weather, the wind, the airports, the procedural stuff can can change, but the basics of aviation are predictable. You put these things, you make these inputs, this speed, this, this angle of attack, and it will go in the air. With golf, it's so variable, you know, that it's, it. I think it inter, it, 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 it does something to my brain uh, and a lot of golfers where we want some predictability, right. but we can't yeah. have it. Yeah, and we, we want control. Yeah. And are you okay? That's another thing. You know, you've talked about it with your clients. We've talked about it, but are you okay with this phrase? You know, this phrase he uses radical acceptance. Are you okay with whatever is going to happen? And obviously at some point, part of me, because I, I got to tell you, I'm hitting, you know, I was trying to pimp Ledbetter there for a tip. I'm hitting it so <laughs> bad, so bad at times that I don't even, I, I don't recognize myself. Like really, it's not like, oh, he's just not chipping or hitting or tee shots. It's just, I had some shots this week that, you know, again, I had a couple of days where I was like pretty good, but a few, like yesterday, I was a fourth day in a row playing in a tournament, and I was hitting shots I don't even recognize. Like, mm. it's almost like I have this disconnect between me and the golf ball, where, it's I, again, it's and that's what it is. I just have, there's something in my wiring right now that's preventing me from being any in any kind of flow about my golf swing. And maybe, hey, could, listen, who knows? It could, I'm going to go to the range today, use the straightaway, and it could help me. <laughs> You know, but I'm I'm hitting the ball like decent on the range. You know, I hit it fine. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting. So one of the things that, that I'm not 
I'm not saying this is what's happening to you, but I have a, well, I do think, yeah, like it's, it's not that you forgot how to golf. It's, or you've lost anything. It's in essence, it's an access issue. Yeah. You can't access what you have. You can't access the talent you have, the experience and the skill you have. You've, you've got, you know, uh, tons in, in all of those departments. But right now for what's happening for different reasons that you're working through, you can't access it. Yeah. And, and, and that's enormously frustrating. And I just, I just recall, you just reminded me of something. I remember when I was a, I, I was a columnist for a number of years uh, for the Financial Post. Uh, I was a golf guy. So every week I'd write a column. I remember being in a slump. I, I felt like I was in a slump with my columns. And it was like I, I became aware I was trying to write the perfect column. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that the lead would be sparkling and there'd be some wit and wisdom and the structure and the ending. would. Be, and then when I finally just said, dude, just write it. <laughs> just write the damn thing and then and then you know finish it and walk away from it you know and then you know edit it later and almost 100% of the time i would read through that first draft and go you know that's pretty good mm-hmm, yeah i bet <laughs> and it, Go ahead. I was just laughing when you were talking about the access issue. I'm not sure if I said this on the air with you last week or not, but it, it feels like right, right now that somebody else has got my golf swing and they've traded with me like a Disney movie, right? Like, <laughs> like you know, when those movies where somebody else gets your body and then whatever, that's what I feel like I've, what's, that's happened to me, that I got oh, some... Like, uh, Steve Martin and... Um, oh. Dang it. doesn't matter. But yeah, There's one of those ones where you switch up. So I, yep. I feel like I got like a... 16 handicaps golf swing at times. Um, we should wrap this up, buddy. Uh, this was great. Yeah. The, but I appreciate your uh, you being a witness there for me. And uh, yeah, Raymond's I uh, got a couple more sessions with him. And um, I'm going to. So it's every couple of weeks for uh, the next couple of, uh, I guess, the next month. And uh, but I will tell you, <laughs> it was. Uh, let me just put it this way. Um, Raymond is the who is Oscar Bravo of sessions uh, i'll yeah, just say that. absolutely absolutely oh no hey, just, dude you know i what? had no just, idea just to tie some tie it uh, up current, a current event to what we're going through imagine what ricky fowler went through oh yeah like yeah, my man. goodness there was a guy you perennial top 30 player in the world you know in every major all the time yep um and you know taking advantage of it with you know being probably the most in-demand guy for commercials and then it just all falls away, you know, for for what upwards of four years, and so it was just it was wonderful to see him, uh, you know, his play in the, in the U.S. Open and these tournaments, and then he he gets her done, you know, in a playoff. That was a weird. I, I was I was just jumping in. That was weird for me watching last week because I wanted Adam Hadwin to win, of course, yes. But I was also would be I was like I'll be okay if Ricky wins too. Yeah, exactly. And it's just the the I I haven't seen a golf digest put something. Uh, his reaction when Ricky when the putt went in the way he just put his folded his hands on the top of the grip and kind of <laughs> yeah. looked at the sky and, and you know so I'm gonna have to listen. I guess he did the Smiley Kaufman podcast and he explains his reaction. But I kind of get it. Like, oh, thank. Goodness, yeah. my time in the wilderness is over. Well, I'll tell you more recently, though, like because because Ricky's had some good play that led to this inevitable. Well, you know, oh, again, although I shouldn't say inevitable, because as as Ms. Doc oh. Ray would say, there's nothing that says 
Yep. It's not written that you ever have to win again. It, nothing says you have to play a great round of golf. It's it's yeah. just a, it's something we think we we're, we're owed somehow. But yeah. uh, but Justin Thomas, Justin Thomas shot 81 yep. in the uh, second round of the U.S. Open there. So like I could, I shot 84 in the second round of this in the Glenn Karen senior open. You know, him shooting 81 is like me shooting 120. That's how yeah. good he is and how shitty we are. Um, anyway, uh, we got to, this is where, this is a, we've done, we've done too much for the folks. We've done too much. Uh, nah. speaking of who is Oscar Bravo, look at Tim. If you're watching this on uh, YouTube, wearing his, who is Oscar Bravo polo. It's a beauty. Uh, David Couch. One of 100 made. Couch said this to me, a little preview for you, uh, OB fans. Um, I asked him on the, we were warming up for this tournament, by the way, Riverbend never played it. Fantastic golf course. I've heard. Yeah. It's just to me. Best greens I've played on this year. Fastest wow. greens I've played on this year. Just a great day. Played with uh, five-time Canadian amateur, whatever. Warren Sy was. Uh, oh my, wow, cool! Not the first time I've played with Warren, but uh, very interesting. Always interesting playing with a guy like that. That's Went to school. Was on yep. the same golf team as Fred Couples and Jim Nance in Texas back a years ago. Ooh. And. Um, I said to Calx, uh, how, how is things going? He said, well, we're, we're having enough success that we're going to do another run. I'm like, Sweet. well, that's great news for people who love your brand. Of course, uh, get yourself stretched at stretchlab.com. And as always, uh, we're very grateful and appreciative of what we get from uh, tailormadegolf.ca or Tailormade Golf Canada. Uh, Tim O'Connor, his substack is called toconnor.substack.com. And the Humble and Fred show, which was off this week because Humble uh, was pursuing his real his real quest of golf, uh, whatever. As a professional amateur. Uh, the Humble and Fred show back on uh, Monday, July 10th, if you're uh, downloading this podcast this weekend. Uh, enjoy your golf, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Cheers.